This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a genuine pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate your watching at this time, and we want you to continue to watch for the next little while as we discuss this question, what have they seen in your house? That's a Bible question, and it's one that I want us to consider today. What have they seen in your house? Uh, today on Getting to Know Your Bible, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. And I'd like to emphasize to you that it is free. We'd like for you to take advantage of this offer today. And you say, well, why are you doing this, Brother Lambert? We're doing this in order that you might get to know the Bible much better. We want you to be able to study the Bible, to learn more about the will of God. We're encouraging Bible study. That's the reason we call this program Getting to Know Your Bible. That's the revealed will of God to us today, and, and we want to know more as much about it as we possibly can. We want to know more about it. And, and so we want to pause now so that you can learn more about the free Bible course so that you can learn how to receive this course. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 20, and I'd like to begin reading on verse number 12. At that time, Beredoch Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah. For he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the, the precious ointment, and all the house of his armor, and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house, not in all of his dominion, that Hezekiah showed them not. And then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah, and said unto him, What said these men? And what did, the, what did these men, and from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, There come from a far country, even from Babylon, and he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in my house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. And Isaiah said, un, uh, rather, Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house, that which is thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day, shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing 
shall be left, saith the Lord. There was a British preacher by the name of G. Campbell Morgan who was invited into his son's home one day. It was a new house. And as the story goes, his son was showing him around the house and and no doubt he was very proud of the house. And, and finally, when they had finished the tour, his father said to him, there's something missing here. Because I don't see anything in your home, in your house, that would indicate that the Lord lives here. You know, if you'll let me see what is in your house, I can tell you what kind of person you are. Let, let me see the names that you have written down in your guest book. That the kind of people that you have in your home. Let, let me see the books that you read, the literature that you read, the magazines that you read. Let, let me see the kind of television programs that you watch. Let me look into your refrigerator and see what you have in your refrigerator. And I can tell you what kind of person you are. Here in the Old Testament is an interesting story. The time when Hezekiah became sick and he was about to die, and the Lord lengthened his life by 15 years. And then the king of Babylon heard about all of that, and he sent an, uh, a group of men over to visit uh, uh, Hezekiah. And Hezekiah showed them everything that he had in his house. And then Isaiah, the prophet, came. He said, now, now what did you, you show to these men? Well, he said, I showed them everything that I have, that there is anything that I own that I did not show to them. And then Isaiah made a prediction about things to come. Well, he said, there's a time coming that everything that you have will belong to them. It is going to belong to the king that is over in Babylon. What have they seen in your house? You know, that's an interesting question. First of all, we need to understand that God built our home. He built it to, for the happiness of mankind. And in Genesis, the second chapter, we learn about the beginning of the family when God saw that Adam was alone and it wasn't good for him to be without a companion. And and God gave him Eve as his wife. And it was said that this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And, and one of the reasons that God made this relationship called marriage is to, to give man a companion so he would not be lonesome, to prevent loneliness in his life. And yet again, God made marriage for the purpose of preventing uh, preparing sin in our lives. To, to avoid fornication, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 2, a man should have his own wife, every wife should have her own husband. But it's also for the purpose of bringing children, bringing babies into the world. In Genesis 9 and 1, uh, it was said to Noah and to his sons, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And God wants this relationship to be patriarchal in its government. That is, the father or the husband is to take the lead in the family. He wants it to last for a long, long time. That is, until you die. 
What God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And he wants it to be one man and one woman to live together for, the, as, for, for as long as they both shall live. That is, it's to be monogamous in its relationship. When we study the Bible, we read about several Bible homes. For example, there's the, there's the home of Jacob, and, and his home was a home of love, and it was a home of happiness. But it was also one that was filled with a lot of tragedy and sorrow. And there's the home of Jesus. In Luke, the second chapter, we learn something about the home life of Jesus in his early days. He was obedient unto his parents. And he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man, Luke 2.52. And then there's the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus who were friends of Jesus. And he spent so much of his time in their home. They were very dear friends of his. Think about the home of the prodigal son of whom we read in Luke the 15th chapter. A home where his father loved him even when he went off into the far country of sin. The young man came back home and his father still loved him. And then there is your home and mine. What is a home? What is a home? Well, someone said a home is where we go between uh, midnight and daylight when we have nowhere else to go. And someone else has said that home is where we fight our private battles. One woman said home is where you work the hardest and are appreciated the least. It was John Howard Payne who said, Mid ple pa pleasures and palaces, though we may roam, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. The best place on earth is home. And when we are out on a trip somewhere, traveling, the best part of that journey is getting back home. Always getting back home. And so what have people seen in your house? What have they seen in your home? Oh, I know what could be seen in a lot of homes across the land today. We might see gambling in some homes. There are many homes that are struggling today because there's someone in that home that's addicted to the, the gambling craze today. And then we might see drugs or alcohol in your home. And very likely some of you watching right now have been affected because of someone in your home that uses alcohol, uses drugs. Or we might see filthy books in some homes today. That's what we might see. Or on the other hand, we might see some, might uh, see uh, abuse and we might see violence in some homes. If we were to go into some homes today, we might hear horrid language, language that is language of the gutter. And then we might see disrespect. So those are some of the things that we might see in people's homes today. But that's not the question we want to consider, what we might see. We want to see, talk about what we should see in our homes today. What have they seen in your house? Well, first of all, people should see Christ, Jesus Christ, in your home today. I have seen this uh, uh, little plaque in homes where I'd be a visitor in a home that Christ is the head of this home, the unseen listener to every conversation, the guest at every meal. And indeed, Jesus Christ should be in our homes today. We ought to see Jesus Christ living in the parents in, in every home today. 
One thing that's said of, of, of Christians in Colossians, the first chapter, is, is, is something that ought to be said about every father and every mother. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 1, Paul said, Be imitators of me, even as I am of Christ. And that's something that you ought to be able to say to your children. You ought to be able to look into the faces of your boys and girls and say, Now you follow mother and you follow, follow daddy, because we're trying to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should see Jesus Christ in the home today. And that simply means that you, they need to see you reading your Bible. They need to hear you pray. They need to see you pray at mealtime and at bedtime. They need to see you with them in worship. I've known of children who would be dropped off at the front steps of the church building for Sunday school or for a worship service. But those children were being neglected by their parents because those parents should have been carrying them and not sending them and dropping them off at some church building somewhere. They ought to see Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Acts the fourth chapter in verse 13, it is said of some early disciples, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And if people take knowledge of you in your home, with whom will they think you have been? Who do you think they think you've been associating with if they were to observe you? And those who live with you, are closest to you, know the answer to that question. So what should people see in your home? They should see Jesus Christ in your home. And you cannot have Christ in your home unless you have Christ in your heart. And you cannot have Christ in your heart unless you are humble enough and submissive enough to obey His will. You know, one of the things that keeps people away from the Lord Jesus Christ is their pride. They are so prideful. They are so self-sufficient in their feelings. They don't believe they need anyone, especially the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm telling you, there's a day coming that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and then we'll all see the need of Jesus Christ, but for some it will be too late. Now is the time to give your life to Christ. And if you give your life to Christ, that means that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Do you really believe that? In Matthew 16 and 16, where Jesus asked the question, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Peter answered by saying, and he answered correctly, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou Simon Bar-Jonah, which means Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The very fact that your life is built upon faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the fact upon which the church is built. That is, the church is built upon the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so I would ask, do you really believe Jesus is the Son of God? Are you willing to repent of all of the sins in your life, realizing that those are sins 
for which you will have to give an account in the day of judgment. Don't you want to give up those sins and, and give your life to Christ? Why, it's an imperative thing that we should give up our sins. It is a command that all men everywhere should repent of their sins, Acts 17, 30, 2 Peter 3 and 9. And repentance is a change of mind for the better. And then as you acknowledge your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as being the God, Son of the living God, Acts 8 and verse 37, you can be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2.38, and then arise from the waters of baptism to walk in the newness of life, Romans 6.4. You'll be added to the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12.13, Acts 2.47. You worship with the Lord's people on the Lord's day by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, by observing the Lord's Supper upon the first day of every week, by giving of your means to the Lord, by hearing the Word of God taught, worshiping God in spirit and in truth upon the Lord's day. That's what it really means to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I ask you again, have the same Christ in your home. You say, well, Brother Lambert, I, 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 I try to have a good home, but, but, but I'm really not a Christian. Not like you're talking about here. Not like the Bible says. Well, then I would urge you to think seriously about making your home a Christian home. Your children deserve a Christian father. Your, 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 your children deserve a Christian mother. They deserve a Christian home. And I want to urge you as you think about your home to make it Christian Make it Christian. And so what have they seen in your home? Have they seen Jesus Christ in your home? Secondly, we ought to see love in your home. Now, if your home is Christian, obviously you're going to see love in your home. Paul wrote about love in 1 Corinthians 13. He said that love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up that doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not its own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. But those are characteristics of love. L love is not some sickly sentiment. It's not some sensational feeling that we have. It's not some tingling that we have going up and down our spine. Love is what you do. Love is what you do. And we ought to see love in your home. That There was an elderly couple that uh, seemed to have a very good relationship. And someone asked them why they had such a good relationship. Why they seemed to be so happy in their home. And here was their simple answer that every day they kissed and they said, I love you. Well, now there's a West German sur survey that suggests that, that those men who kiss their wives every day and tell them, I love you, live five years longer. And you're looking at someone right now who wants to live just as long as he can. And so we need to be showing love in our homes. Husbands. Now, let me talk to you for just a moment. How much do you love your wife? You say, well, well I, I don't appreciate your being that, that nosy about how much I love, love my wife. We're talking, about, we're talking about how much you love your wife now. Surely, surely you love your wife. 
But how much? Ephesians 5 and 25 talks about the extent of our love when it says, And ye husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's how much we should love our wives. We need to love our wives just like Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That there was a woman, one occasion, who was about to have a nervous breakdown. And when she was asked why she was in this mental state, well, what led to this emotional collapse that she was having in her life, do you know what she said? My husband won't talk to me. He just won't talk to me. And the woman was just about to have a nervous breakdown. I don't believe a man who, who would treat his wife like that really loves his wife. Do you? And yet a lack of communication in the home is one of the greatest problems facing the average family today. Uh, no communication between the husband and between the wife. They get so busy with their lives and he, she does her thing, he does his thing, and they're, they're just like ships that are passing in the night and there's very little talk, there's very little communication that's going on. You, you cannot keep love alive in your marriage unless you talk. You, you've got to talk to each other. That, that means there, there needs to be some time that you just get off to yourself and, 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 and maybe you're just sitting out in the swing somewhere or you're, you're sitting on the sofa and the, the television is off and the, 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 maybe you have children, they're playing somewhere and it's, you're in a quiet room and you just, you just talk. It, it's times like that, that that are so precious to you because they help to keep the love alive in your marriage. Wives, you're, you're to love your husband. Love your husband, chapter 2 of the book of Titus tells us. And so they need to see love in your home. Something else that we ought to be able to see in your home is, is the Bible. And I don't mean laying on a shelf somewhere collecting dust. I, I've been in homes where you could write your name on the back of the Bible. Oh, it's on the coffee table there. And it's been there so long, it's collected dust, you know. And, and I could write my name. I could write B-I-L-L-Y on the back of that Bible. And I know it's not been used in a long, long time. But we have the Bible in our home. It's a book that we open up in the home and we read in the home. It's just not gathering dust. But it's a book that we use as the guide for our home. I think about Timothy and how Timothy was reared by his mother and his grandmother. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14, Paul wrote to him about that background of, of teaching that he received. And he said to him, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child, did you get it? From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which were able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Think about that for a moment. What made Timothy such a great man? I am convinced that the thing that made Timothy such a great man 
was the fact that from a child, he had been taught the Word of God. Of course, that had reference there to the Old Testament Scriptures. They did not have the New Testament in the written form as you and I have it today. But, but he's talking about the Scriptures that had been given to them in that time. And today, when we talk about the Scriptures, we're talking about not just the Old Testament, but we're talking about the New Testament as well. We teach our children the Bible. We need to see the Bible in your home. It ought to be something that is used in your home. But then something else that we should see in your home is prayer. If we were to have guests to come into your home and examine your home, what would we find? Would we find a home given to the habit of prayer? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You ought to pray at mealtime, bedtime, and times in between. Pray all of the time. And there is nothing that is more necessary in the living of the Christian life. Nothing that is more essential in the having of a, of a good home and a home that will last than a home that is held together by prayer. I know you've seen this expression uh, perhaps on some poster, maybe even you've seen it on someone's bumper, on a bumper sticker, families that pray together stay together. And I want you to know that's exactly right. Families that pray together stay together. I have never in the 45, 46 years that I've been preaching the gospel had a family come to me who was in serious trouble but that prayed together every night. I just never have had that to happen. Because when we pray to God and we ask God to help us, I believe with all of my heart that God is going to do that very thing. We ought to see prayer in your home. And then we ought to see peace in your home. As Paul wrote in Romans 14, 19, we need to provide for things that make for peace. Are you a peacemaker in your home? Or are you some kind of an individual that's, that's contentious and always stirring up something in the home? But then again... We need to see good Christian example in the home. In Matthew 5, 13, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. In verse 14, he said, you're the light of the world. And as the salt and the light in our homes, we're casting our influence upon everyone around us, upon your children. Children learn by observation. Let me ask you, how did you learn to drive an automobile? Well, the first thing you did is you observed someone else riding a car. That's how you knew to sit behind the steering wheel. That's how you knew to put on the brakes and use the accelerator. That's how you learned how to use the gear shift. Because you observed someone else doing it. And the way that our children learn in life is by observing father and by observing their mother. May God help us to have a Christian home. And if you're not one, Become one today. Become a child of God. Live that Christian life. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free 
Bible Correspondence Course. Write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580. Or call 1-877-711-5214. This is a free call. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.